That band right there, the French-American electronica duo M83, named after a star cluster, is one of my favorite discoveries of the 21st century. Now, he's no longer a member of the band, but there was once a guy in that band named Nicolas Fromageau, which translated from the French means cheese water. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And I can never get past it as much as I love that band. Oh, my God. From now on, whenever there's any Packer jackass making a comment on my Facebook wall, I'm going to call him Formageau. Like Ben Lubeck? Don't make fun of Ben. I didn't make fun of Ben. You're the one who said Packer I'm, jackass. No, but then I'm calling him Formageau because yeah. they won't know what the hell I'm talking about, and they don't have dictionaries over there. What's so. up, Cheesewater? <gasps> Sinekin's going to be on here, too. Oh, Sinekin's going to be on in March. I'm going to be using that with Sinny the whole time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We might have business opportunities there, so you just you right. check yourself before you wreck yourself. My name is Brian Oak. This is The Brian Oak Show, and we are recording in the Smart Start MN studios here in South Minneapolis. That is Sean Bernard, Smart Start MN. We're going to make this one very tight and very brief. What do they do? If you get a DUI, if someone you know gets a DUI, if a friend of a friend of a friend of an ex-girlfriend of a friend gets a DUI, they are the original Minnesota Ignition Interlock Company. They can get you back in your car quickly, which if you, you'll find out if you haven't been down this road, the DUI road, it is a shit road to go down and i hope i I hope they understand that but it's really terrible you're out of a vehicle you are in trouble you have to pay a lot of money they charge relatively little money to get you back in your vehicle so much faster than you can imagine you need to drive you need to be able to get back to a law-abiding and decent life and keep your life together after a dui maybe not you Maybe your friend, maybe a friend of a friend of a friend or whoever, they can help you do that better than almost anyone. Smart Start, uh, effed it up, smartstartmn.com uh, yeah. slash the Brian Oak Show for right. 20% off the uh, installation. That's all you need to know. It, it, it's basically a breathalyzer in your car and it lets you drive. I, again, I, I, I know that they, for whatever reason, don't want to share all the details. You're back in your car. Almost immediately for so much less than you would ever expect. And now apparently even less if you go to smartstartmn.com, The Brian Oak Show, click on that link and find out more information for you, for a friend, for, in the in the famous words of the internet, asking for a friend. Oh. Yeah. Good times. Also <laughs> want to thank Great River Radon Mitigation. So Laurie from Great River Radon Mitigation, pay attention to this phone number, 612 701 2216. Because according to cancer.org, in an article that came out in October of just this past year, the single leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers is exposure to radon gas. So why is that a big deal? Well, here in Minnesota, apparently it's intimately connected with granite, and we have a lot of it here, and two out of every five homes has some level of radon gas. Is it dangerous? Do you need it mitigated? I don't know. That's why you call Laurie and have them come out and check it out for a discounted price again if you mention The Brian Oak Show. Yeah, 100 bucks uh, if you text her uh, to that number that you're going to give again. And then if you do need it mitigated, they offer a very, very competitive price to compared to the other companies that I've seen. And 100 bucks sounds like a lot of money. And let's be honest, for most of us, it is a lot of money, but also not as much money as lung cancer. So it's worth at least... Oh, Brian... I was just making a very realistic comparison. I wasn't trying wow. to be. Now you're scaring him. What? No. I... <laughs> Why is it always like this with you? I don't know. Why is That's it always like a bad person? 
Great River <laughs> Radon Mitigation. Text Laurie at 612-701-2216. At least get it checked out. If you're moving into a new house, if you're selling your old house, whatever the case may be, or you've lived in your house forever and you can't figure out... Mm, Almost went to a dark place. Just get it checked out. Great River Radon Mitigation. It is the Brian Oak Show. And coming up, we're going to be talking to one of my favorite people on planet Earth. We met, oh my God, it's hard to believe, 17 years ago. But we had each known of each other in 2003. That's right, buddy. Uh, we uh, We had known of each other independently prior to that for a good long time and then the day we met i can't wait to tell the story because it was mutual admiration society and it really it really hasn't stopped paul charchian will be joining us very very shortly but first i want to make mention of one story there were a bunch of great music stories this week but the big one the grammys do you watch award shows sean i'm not a huge fan of them anymore i used to love the grammys but i'm i'm actually the the uh old dude now where about 70 percent of the music i just was not my scene at all this year so i watched some of it but and and same and so but there were a couple of artists that i was very very interested to see how it shook out for this year in fact three that i can think of rapper tyler the creator who won this year and did a great job because he you know i think rap music gets a, a bad rap if you will, from a lot of people who don't pay attention. And he is a genre bender. He is a genre defier. He refuses to let everything we think we used to know about rap be the thing that still defines rap. And I'm surprised the Grammy, the Academy, paid attention because that's not their jam. They're old schoolers. They want Alison Krauss to win every single category every single day. But I was also excited for... Part-time Minnesotan Lizzo because of her potential, and she did all right. But Billie Eilish, who is now all of 18 years old, in my opinion, put out the best record I heard last year. And what's fascinating about this is at 18, well, and again, age, as you and I discussed earlier, Sean, before we started recording, it doesn't really matter how old she is. Sweeping the top four categories does not happen in this day and age. She got Best New Artist. She got Record of the Year. Album of the Year, and Song of the Year. And nobody, very, very few ever have swept all four top categories. When you think of Laura, laugh, don't cry. I know she'd want it that way. That's the last guy to do what she just did, right? Christopher Cross, yes. No, not Chris Cross, the young kids who wore their pants backwards, although I miss the bus. Fantastic (laughs) stuff right there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Christopher Cross sailing uh, when you get caught between the moon and New York City. Arthur's theme, yeah. When you think of Laura. And he tweeted out, hey, Billie Eilish, welcome to the club. Now, what, what I love about Billie Eilish is she did not make this record for me. This was not a record for middle-aged white guys in the Midwest. It just That's wasn't. so good. But it's fascinating. It's interesting. And I remember even back when I still was on the radio... God, when was that? Was that back during the Carter administration? <laughs> when I was still on the radio, I kept saying it's the best record I've heard so far this year. And that remains true. It's my favorite record of 2019. And so I have nothing but sincere congratulations to Billie Eilish for sweeping the Grammys and doing what she did just this past weekend. Thank you, so criminal 
Hey, Sean. Hey, pop, what? Pop quiz hotshot. What do you call someone who's from Ontario? Uh, an Ontarian? What, what do you call Maybe them? an Ontarian? Ontario not? <laughs> I like your second one better. That band is from Ontario. And the name of the band, and this is not a joke, and I'm not trying to be controversial. They're called Holy Fuck. And I chose to play them because, one, it plays into tonight's topic. And, two, it has a very personal connection for me with uh, this particular episode's guest. By the way, it's the Brian Oak Show, episode 24. Thanks for sharing. Go to patreon.com, blah, 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 blah. But I'm very interested to talk about music right now. The band is called Holy Fuck, and they're out of Ontario. And that song is called Lovely Alan. And I remember being invited by my good friend Paul Charchian to go and see that band in the 7th Street entry. And I've been in the entry, if I think about it, my first time back in that entire complex was 1985, which I know, was that the Eisenhower administration? Is that what that was? It was a long ass time ago. I've been in the entry literally hundreds of times, and that show was a top fiver all time for me, and I'll tell you why. I don't like jam bands, because I lived with four deadheads for a year and a half, and so when I think jam and I think like mediocre musicians just high as fuck and playing garbage on their instruments. But this was a techno jam band and I was not familiar with that sort of experience. They had a live drummer, they had a live bass player. But then the main two guys who were in charge of melody and song, they had a bunch of sawhorses set up with plywood over them and virtually every kind of keyboard old school analog, new school digital, MIDI that ever existed, and more cables than probably were required to launch any <laughs> spacecraft that's ever gone into space. And as soon as they were done with something, they literally grabbed it and threw it into the back of the entry <clears throat> and then pulled something else up and Frankensteined all these cables and pieces together and the music never stopped and it never got less interesting. It's a top five all-time entry show for me. Uh, and this guy, one of my favorite people I've met in the last 20 years, and by the way, it was 17 years ago, just to get your head around that, Paul. Dang, we're old. Yeah, well, no, you are. I'm actually going yeah. the other direction. Right on, uh, baby. Paul Charchian, it is wonderful to have mm. you on the Brian Oak Show. How are you? I, I'm very good. I remember coming into the City's 97 studio, and I had just found Holy Fuck. And I wanted to spread the word of holy fuck. Right. Spread the gospel of holy fuck. Yeah. And so one of my first stops is you. Um, and I was doing Freedom Rock at the time, so I could play all you the play music on Sunday yeah. nights. And that's one of the ways we bonded early on. For sure. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, fast forwarding the story, though, as I, as I find them, and I'm like, you know what? I think Brian's going to dig this. And so... On a commercial break in the middle of some afternoon, when you were still doing afternoons on cities. Oh, some Indigo I, Girls, some Third yeah, right, Eye Blind. Exactly. <laughs> right, you know, right, interrupted right. that while right, they, were, right. they were playing. And I'm like, okay, pull up this video. Holy fuck, Lovely Alan, the song we just heard. Yeah. And the video is awesome as well. And it's you a can, great video. And you can tell right away, this is crazy mad scientist rock. Yes. And it's all these guys hunched over all, these, all this weird equipment and yep. they're they're running film through a projector and they're doing all this crazy stuff. And you were immediately, you got it. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Brian, Brian gets this. Yes. And so, yeah, then they came to town and we had that amazing experience. And I have since seen Holy Fuck in Atlanta, you've Washington. Traveled. I've, this is the band I've traveled to see. Yes. Yeah. So where you've gone to Atlanta, you've gone I've to Washington, Atlanta, Washington, um, 
Baltimore, Philadelphia, right under the Space Needle in Seattle. What? Oh, man. It's just, you know, they're just, and what part of what I love about Holy Fuck and this band, and I hope people love the song they just heard. Yeah. Because they're still a pretty small band. They yeah. usually are playing in front of 500 people. You're playing in yeah. these close. You're playing in these these close quarters where the sound just attacks you, like Seventh yes. Street. You yep. know, yep, yep, yep. And the sound's got nowhere to go but into your soul. <laughs> oh. and I, I just, I, I love that. And you know, just some. I just think some bands work better on a micro level, and that's one of them. Last month, you and I just went and saw the Joy Formidable together again. Again, yes. I think that that is also so the Welsh trio. Oh, I totally forgot. I was going to show you when this walked in. I got this for Christmas from my dear friend, uh, Kevin. He bought this one of 100 photographic print of Ritzy Bryan of the Joy Formidable, which I'm going to have framed, but I wanted to bring it into show. It needs to go you, up on the wall here. It has to go up on the wall of yeah. the Smart Start MN Studios. Um, but the Joy Formidable for me are the same way. I've seen the Joy Formidable now six or seven times, and the smaller the room, the more devastated I am in the best possible way. Yeah, I really agree. Some bands and. I want to do this as I want to do this as a whole separate podcast someday. We will bands that are way better live than it translates on album. I think the vast majority of the bands are the opposite. Where, I couldn't agree more. And, I, I we are totally doing and, a whole podcast on that because. But there are a handful who live they transcend what they are able to articulate on their albums. Yes, and I love the Joy Formidable's albums. Live, they are they're one of the best three people. And, and again. I, I know that bands can get loud. I know bands can get creative, but there are certain bands live, like the Joy Formidable live. There's only three of them. Yeah. They have no right to be as dynamic as they are live, and they are fucking incredible. Yeah, it's there's just something magic about that band live. It's another band I've traveled to go see. By the way, word of the wise, don't travel to go see your favorite band if they're the opener. I made that oh, mistake. Yeah. 45 traveled minutes. To Buffalo freaking New York. <laughs> 45 minutes. Oh. And who, uh, can I ask who the headliner was? Well, there's that. It was the Black Keys. So it wasn't a oh, lost, no, yeah. but, you know. So it wasn't a complete, complete loss. Right, exactly. Right. And, you know, they're playing a massive, massive festival-style outdoor amphitheater venue. I'm like, I might have been one of ten people that were there to see the opener. Right. And so, you know, nobody in the audience even pay attention. They're all talking through the whole of thing. Course. And I'm like, you guys are missing magic. Hello. <laughs> uh, Hello. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Ritzy Bryan's up there. Not yes. to mention, so she's the voice in the guitar, but her rhythm section is thundering, mm-hmm. tidal wavish. All right, anyway, we, we, we could easily get off track. You and I could do this literally for the next five hours and still not really scratch the surface. His name is Paul Charchian, and Paul, you didn't send me a bio, and I know that you... Went out of your way to say, please don't make this the Paul Charchian show. But I feel for the one or two people who don't know the name Paul Charchian, I would like to just get a little bit of background on you. What I would tell people, my elevator speech on Paul Charchian is he is the host of Video Games Weekly every Tuesday night on 100.3 KFAN. You are a video game aficionado. More importantly, and your real bread and butter is you are... One of the foundational pillars, whether you like it or not, in fantasy sports. And I, I and I, I know that it's hard for you sometimes to hear praise or for me to call you a dot-com billionaire. But 
Thank you. you God, I, knew, I love saying I that. You I were love saying that. There was never any doubt. Oh, there was never any doubt. Yep. That being said, you found his fan ball, and then someone else who rushed in because they thought they understood what online fantasy sports <laughs> was about purchased it from you, and now it's back to you. When I say, I mean, and I say it always with love, I like to call you the Oprah of online <laughs> fantasy sports. Tell me the truth. Are you not the president of the online fantasy sports trade association trade association yes and you have been for some time 11 years but i'm retiring next month from okay. that from that role who Fine. is your stedman is what i want to know who's your stedman <laughs> uh, I, I do i do have sort of a fantasy sports stedman okay uh, who's sort of my right hand man in the association but yeah so you're retiring from it two things one so for 11 years i mean like you get together and there are conventions where there are thousands of people and you're the keynote speaker because you run this organization you have for a long time. I mean, that's that's not a small deal. I know we're not going to spend the night talking about it. No, but, let's not. But we're not going, well, <laughs> yeah. not this time, but we All are right. going to at some point. Okay. But I mean, that's that's a that's a more than minor achievement. It's pretty worthwhile. Well, Can let's I ask- be clear. This is a volunteer position that pays nothing, and I'm the doofus who holds, holds up his hand and goes, well, have okay, you, I'll do it. Have you met the legions of Dorcas Malorcases? Uh, that's who are Dufi. Uh, Dufi, yes. Malorcai, yeah. uh, that are out there, that are part of this. So, I mean, again, I know that you like to downplay it, but it's kind of a big deal. Um why are you stepping down? And then we'll get to music. Eleven years of volunteering for this yeah. thing, and just fresh blood, and you know, fresh ideas, fresh energy. Yeah, yeah, because you're you're done. You're out I'm of ideas. So spent. You're fried. Yeah, I'm all tuckered out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, Good. Yeah. Then we're done talking about that. But if people want to know about you, if they want to know about your sports and fantasy sports endeavors and your video game endeavors, where do they go? And well, I won't I bring it best, up again. The best thing to do is just follow me on Twitter at Paul Charchian. Okay, it's probably the best thing. And then you know, depending on what you're, you know. Where our interests overlap, and I, I tweet about music, and I tweet oh, about video games. That's and how you and I bonded. Games, video and games about, and music. Yeah. So, for a little backstory, before I'll, I'll let you tell the main story here, but prior to me ever meeting you, before Clear Channel brought together all the stations into one building, we were at different satellite you were at locations yep. in Butler Square, downtown Minneapolis. Uh, I'm, I am at KFAN in um, Bloomington, then Bloomington, I believe. Yep, and we consolidated Wells from Fargo Building, right? Yeah. The Wells Fargo Building. That's right. Two thousand three was the year that we all yep. came under the same roof in yep. St. Louis Park. But, I remember the day so clearly. I remember it so clearly. I was walking by the Cube Farm. I was maybe my third or fourth day there. Uh, I mean, in that new building. I'd been working for cities for a couple of years. And I walked by, and there was a guy making a phone call. I'm like, holy shit, that's Paul Charchian. <laughs> I was, I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I was super excited, but he was in the middle of a phone call. So I'm like, all right, so do I hover? Do I come back later? Like I, Because I had been a fan of Fantasy Football Weekly for... I mean, the longest-running fantasy football show in the country, Why, yeah? thank you, yes. It is, and it happens during the fantasy football season every Saturday morning? Every Saturday, and now, actually, we, we post podcasts all year round. So, Fantastic, yeah, good. You can still get well, Fantasy Football so Weekly, wherever I was, you get your favorite I, podcast. Very excited, and I, I couldn't have been more surprised by his response. So I, I didn't hover right over your cube, but I did hang a little ways down the hallway, and then I heard you hang up the phone. I came back over, I'm like, hey, man, are you Paul Charchian? And I could not have been more startled by his response, which was, are you Brian Oak? Yeah. I was like, 
how the fuck does Paul Charchian <laughs> know who the hell I am? Because Paul Charchian is as deep an indie music fan as anyone that I've ever met. And he had been listening to Freedom Rock, which yes. I've been doing since the late 90s mm-hmm. on my priorly on Zone 105 and then on Cities 97. And it's been a mutual admiration society ever since then. It really has. What you did not know is frequently when music had come up on KFAN, and people that, you know, if, if you don't listen to KFN, you probably don't realize how much time we don't spend talking about sports. It's why it's my KFAN. favorite station to listen to when I'm driving around, yes. because as soon as you go college hockey, I'm, I'm, out. I'm <laughs> right. gone. Exactly. But almost every host on the station t- likes to drift into other areas. Yes. And so frequently I would talk music and I had actually literally quoted you because frequently Almost apologetically, unfortunately, I think you would, you would, you, as Freedom Rock is starting, you would say things like, you know, just, you know, this is all going to be stuff you haven't heard. Just listen to it with a free, you know, with a free mind. It just, New you ears. know, nobody has decided ears. if this is a hit or not. Just how does it feel for you? Do you know, do you enjoy this? Right. You know, just, you right. know, and so you'd almost have to apologize. So I'd actually literally quoted you um, and given you attribution, by the way, uh, the royalty that. checks coming in the mail and, <laughs> and, and, and because, because of the way, you know, because I love Freedom Rock and I love the way that you approached people and the way you talk to listeners, encourage them to listen to new music and to challenge yourself and to decide if you love something without somebody else telling you you already should love this. And that's um, that was just what I loved about the essence of Freedom Rock and why I knew who you were before we I never ever knew what you looked like. All right. Well, I feel like now we're in danger of doing the thing you didn't want to do and turning this into the Paul Charchian show because you're <laughs> going to be a regular guest on this show. Yeah, baby. I, oh, yeah. No, you are because mm-hmm. you're one of my favorite people. Here's the thing about Paul Charchian. It really doesn't matter the subject that we're talking about. I like people who are discerning, intelligent, adult and passionate I'll but, be, I'll show myself out. But no, 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 no. But also respectful. Like Paul and I will have a spirited debate, but no one's feelings are getting hurt and no one's being called a jackass, right? I mean, <laughs> well, like, not yet. The no. podcast is young. Well, it is, in fact. We're only in 29 fact, very minutes young. in. So. Before we get into uh, the main topic we're going to cover, which. <clears throat> yeah, here we are, 30 minutes in. Jesus, God. And Sean's like, started, Sean's like, I have yet. somewhere to be. Like, hey. Yeah. I'm all ears, man. Okay. I'm going to hang out and listen to you guys. Before we go, chat. I do want to remind people that uh, the equipment that makes this podcast sounds so wonderfully delicious. Mm. Mm, that processing is rich and greasy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, AudioQuip.com. A-U-D-I-O-Q-U-I-P.com. Nate and the entire staff over there have forwarded us so much equipment and been so kind and so supportive from day one. It's really, really wonderful to have them here. Also worth mentioning is that in two days from now, we're recording this on the, I guess, the 28th of January, which is a Tuesday. We have our first ever live Patreon event. Now, long term, only Patreon VIPs, uh, as well as previous guests on the show, are going to be invited to these events. But for the first time... Wait, in we- perpetuity? I can just come forever now? I'm on the list forever because I showed up once? I wouldn't say forever, Paul. Right. Perpetuity is a heavy word. Wow. It has legal implications. Yeah. That being said, hmm. this Thursday... Every single person who's jumped on board on Patreon, as when it's not too late, probably, but you should really get in touch with us yes. immediately, uh, and every guest we've ever had can join us this Thursday at the Hook and Ladder. We are going to have Ben Lubeck of Farewell Milwaukee and a couple of his musician friends joining us for a live performance. Doors at 5.30, music at 6.30. Ben's great, and we would just love to see everyone, and I guess just say thank you for the early and sort of undeserved support for a podcast that has not yet taken its final form, right? So is there anything else people need to know about that? 
No, just uh, make sure you RSVP so we can let uh, Hook and Ladder know how many people are going to be there. It's uh, The turnout already is fantastic with the people that have RSVP'd. Now, if they show up, that's even better. But the, <laughs> but the, you know don't, how but, but don't show up if you're not a member of Patreon or have not been directly invited, because they got a couple of mean people at the front door at the oh and Ladder, gosh. I'll tell you. Not really. The palace wishes. <gasps> oh, what happened? <laughs> Nothing. Everything's fine. Uh, it's the Brian Oak Show. We're joined by Paul Charchin. So you, being a deep music head, and you and I have talked a lot about music, as well as a lot about a lot of other things, but tonight's going to be about music, at least hopefully the rest of the show, which should, shouldn't last more than three or four hours. No. You brought up a bunch of great points to me about things we could talk about, but this is the one that stuck out to me because it made me think about the decades and the eras. It made me think about the current era that we live in. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about your musical taste. It made me think about my musical taste. And I just, there's a lot to chew on here. I don't know if there's a right answer, but you decided that we should talk about the nature of instrumental music. And I love it. The idea is, at least for me, I cut my teeth on a lot of instrumental music growing up and never felt the necessity to have lyrics. I love good singers. I, you know, I love bands with singers. I don't require that there not be a singer, but probably half my library are instrumentals. So before we go any further past that, a little context. Like, so you are younger than I am, but not by a whole lot. Um, so when you talk about growing up and half your stuff, are we talking about, are we talking about electro? <clears throat> are we talking about classical? Are we talking about, you know, Tuvan throat singing? Are we talking about <laughs> banging rocks on logs? I mean, like, when you, I mean, but now half, half is a lot, and so I'm not trying yeah. to challenge you. But if half your music library was instrumental, what well, are we talking about? I think most when you say music without lyrics, I think a lot of people think of jazz or classical. Sure, I don't listen to any of that. So for me, it's none of that stuff. And I you know, just you know, not, I like some jazz. I don't particularly care for any classical. I but, got you. Um, you know, I grew up on a lot of just instrumental rock, and there wasn't much of it. I mean, it was very little of it. Very and little. I, I know how you feel about Rush in particular as a band, but the one thing that Rush really did for me in the 80s when I was growing up is they validated some instrumental rock because they had legitimate rock hits with no words that crossed over to my friends. And it was like one of the cr- few common grounds I could have with my, you know, my Rush-loving, you know, Led Zeppelin f- friends, right? And... Uh, for a non-weed smoker, you're very Rush adjacent. <laughs> uh, and also, I also want to be clear: I don't have anything against Rush. No, you do. No, We've I, talked I, about I, that. no, 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 I no. Can no. Quote to, your main beef with Rush right now. Go ahead. Just because you can play of a lot of notes doesn't mean you have to play a lot of notes. You almost got it right. I was actually going to say the exact same thing, except you almost got it right. <clears throat> Just because, and I feel this way about plenty of musicians, <laughs> Steve Vai, Joe Bonamassa, yeah. many, many, and extremely talented musicians. Super, uber talented. Just because you can play every note. Every note. That's doesn't it, mean it. you should play <laughs> every note. And Rush is like that. Like, nobody wants a, a four-and-a-half-minute bass solo. Nobody wants that. Not anymore, but there was a time when people did. I mean, that was that was a staple of the 70s for every band. Led because, Zeppelin got on stage, no, and I know, they and, did that. And Yes did the same thing. They all but, did. But also, like, like nobody's that high anymore. All right? <laughs> no, nobody's that high anymore. So, I, again, and again, no, I... The I, problem I, was... No, no, wait. You got it wrong. 
It's because everybody else in the band wanted to go get high, so they needed the four minutes to get off stage. Dude, I need then, to, I need I need to drop a deuce, and then I'm gonna get, I'm gonna do a couple rails, and I'm gonna right. get super high. Can you can you cover this the thing next out. seven minutes yeah, with right. bass for me? Exactly. Ooh, just random members leaving the stage and coming yeah, back yeah. again while well, another guy covered. I'm not against any of that. So the whole point is, so you grew up with a lot of instrumental music. Now for me. What's weird is it used to be a thing, like even before I was born, you know, like you go back to jazz or folk bands or you go back to even the 60s, Esquivel doing the Space Age Bachelor Pad thing or Martin Denny doing the Exotica thing, bringing all these sort of tropical sounds. I own every Martin Denny record that's ever come out. Oh, every single. I'm actually... And you're welcome, Jill Riley, for me saying this. I'm actually a big Exotica guy. I listened to a Martin Denny record called Paradise Moods Today. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. So there was a time, and even on a, a couple of shows ago, we played Mason Williams' Classical Gas to open yes. up the show, and I got a couple mm-hmm. emails yeah. on it. There was a time where not only was it popular among popular culture, among adults, among people who enjoyed putting a vinyl LP on their hi-fi, on yeah. their solid-state hi-fi. Yeah. But there was a time that, cla- that, that instrumental music crossed over into the top 40 and maybe even once in a while the top 10. That doesn't happen anymore. No. Why doesn't that happen? I want, I, I, I want to believe that it could, but I just think we've, we've, all, we've hit the formula, right? There's the formula that works and for formula for success. And I think a lot of listeners just aren't really open to it necessarily. And so one of my goals for our remaining time in this show is to help sort of broaden the horizons a little bit and just sort of make it okay and maybe even enjoyable. You know, let's use Sean as our as our regular man on the street. Sean, All right. percentage of your music library, however you want to define your library these days, which is, so that could be a whole show in and of itself, what's yes. your music library these days and digital, and, uh, that is that does not have any lyrics. Less than 5%. Right, and I I think that's pretty common, right? Well, I mean, unless you are uh, a classical music aficionado, right? Which I got nothing against classical music. I'm just ignorant. I didn't grow up with a lot of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was last chair viola, Northdale Junior High. Oh, they still talk about for you. three years. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I, like yeah, that yeah. guy couldn't turn in a practice <laughs> record to save his fucking life, and I wasn't any good. So I, I get classical music. It's just not my jam. It's not thing I like. To listen I don't to. like it either. And in the late eighties, early nineties, I had friends who were rave DJs using mm-hmm. air quotes right there, and I love a lot of that electro and techno. But a lot of that was hard to get through without drugs. Right. If but I'm it honest now, but it doesn't have to be electro and techno either, right? So what we're gonna play? We have three songs to play coming up that I think you know does not fit any of that category. Well, this one crosses a bridge, which is nice because there are vocals in this, but you and I had a rather spirited conversation last night on the phone about how sometimes vocals don't have to mean anything and instead they become another instrument in the band and there are plenty of bands that that there's an example of, you know, Plastic Bertrand's Saplan pour moi. Most of those words are. What that means. Well, we'll play it for you before the the day is over. Um, And that hideous Icelandic band, Icelandic band, Sigurros, who I just I can't get my head around. But you brought up this band, and I had a chance to see the woman who sings the lead in this band last year Mm -hmm. with Massive Attack touring when I went to visit my friends in California. This band is. It's weird. People misinterpret certain words. So when I call this band peerless, 
I don't mean they're the greatest band of all time. I mean there's not another band who did or has done anything close to what this band has done. Totally agree. The point, uh, the point of hearing this next band, and I think at this point, let's just say it's the Cocteau Twins that's coming up. Let's. Is because the lyrics, you don't have to... You, you don't even have to understand the lyrics. And so what I wanted to use as a bridge to instrumental music is a band where it has lyrics, it has a singer, but God only knows what they're saying, what she's saying. I have no idea, and I've heard this song hundreds of times, and I don't know a word she's saying. The meaning means nothing. The voice really is just another instrument. So does it capture a feeling for you? Is that what you get oh, through God, each yes. song? That's that's what I was yes. going to say, is that less than 5% of mine. You know, I, I was thinking about the song that we I played for you, uh, B-52's Follow Your Bliss, one of my favorite instrumental songs of all time that nobody has ever heard of. I haven't heard of that, but I'm curious about it. I didn't yeah. know they had any instrumentals. And, and man, do they have It's my favorite song by them of all time because wow. I don't know why it destroys me every time I hear it. So one last thing on lyrics. Yeah. You know, just there are some, I think there's a handful of songs where the lyrics really speak to you. And, you know, you know this really has meaning for me. But I think for most of us, 98% of the lyrics that we hear, it's just sort of in one ear and out the other. And maybe we enjoy singing along. But this, Wait, you know, what was the percentage again? 98. Oh, I'm, t- I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under <laughs> on that one. It's, you know, do, do the meanings of the words improve your life or give you hitherto unseen insight into your existence? You know, I think most of the time, no. Um, and, and, and it's just not a requirement for the song, to, for, the, for the lyrics to have meaning to them. Oh, in there, my opinion, there, there's so much yes and no to what you just said. I bet. But before we <laughs> get back to that conversation, which we are absolutely getting back to, let's hear your song because I love this band. Elizabeth Frazier is one of the most ethereal and bulletproof vocalists who has existed in our lifetimes. Why this song specifically? What do you um, love about I like this, this song? Hey, I just think it's a great song. Um, and you'll get to hear somebody whose lyrics you do not understand. And I love that it goes off the rails in the last about 60 seconds. And the whole thing picks up and gets weird at the end. And I just I love that part of the song as well. It's called Blue Bell Knoll from the album Blue Bell Knoll. And it's by the Cocteau Twins.
there's no denying the impossible nature of Elizabeth Fraser's voice. But knowing Paul Charchin as I do, the thundering percussion and ringing, singing, deeply verbed guitar at the end, yeah. oh. that's that's you. Like That's your... It's my sweet spot. It so really many ways. is your sweet spot. The Cocteau Twins almost single-handedly invented the shoegaze genre. Correct. You know, without you know, before there was a name for shoegaze. Right. And, you know, they were shoegaze, and they're and they're on the Mont Rushmore of shoegaze for all the reasons that you just <laughs> described from a sound standpoint. They're at the top of that pyramid. Like if 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 shoegaze were Shackley or. Amway. <laughs> At the very top of that pyramid is Cocktoo Twins, and there are lots of other great bands. I mean, your Slow Dives, your yep. Ride below mm-hmm. that, even your Place to Bury Strangers in the more recent yep. years. I mean, so My many bands. Valentine. Oh, Yep. Speaking of great Scottish bands, uh, and we're going to get to one before the very end of the show, which is one of my very... F- In fact, I had picked that band, and uh, Paul's like, no, I'd like to play that band, thank you. I'm like, yeah. okay, you're the guest, you. you can do what you like. But Cocktoo Twins, so we talk about that right there. A voice as an instrument. The words are not important. The story is not important. Um, Sean, yeah. Your now you had not you had not heard any Cocteau Twins songs before this. You heard of the band. You'd never I heard, heard a of song the band. I don't this. think I'd heard any of their other music, but it reminded me of my. Uh, well, so I was about probably nineteen when that song came out. And I, mm-hmm. I used to, is when that song came out. So I used to listen to, when I loved a band like that, I would listen to them. I would put one speaker, not even headphones, but one speaker on one side, one speaker on the other, shut off the lights, lay on the floor for some reason, yeah. and just mellow out and Take listen to in. that. But that was, was, was that super nerdy, Brian? Or? No. Weed smoker! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not nerdy. But, Every, everyone likes good music, man. But like, I remember putting on headphones and listening to Jimi Hendrix's 1983, A Merman I Should Turn to Be. But I was so high that I wasn't sure I was still in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really that was really good, and I could listen to it not high. And I, I mean, that's just something that I I love the flow of the song. Yeah, and it's very brave, I think, to do what they did. You know, with that with that song, to not try to muddy it up with lyrics and be meaningful with the lyrics instead of just the instrumentation. So it's, it's very weird. I want to talk a little bit more about lyrics before we get to your first instrumental song of the evening. But first, uh, that is Sean Bernard. In addition to being my co-business owner and a um, Irish rack on tour <laughs> producer, uh, he also is a realtor at the 50th and France office of Edina Realty. In give me your elevator speech. Why would anybody hire you to buy or sell their home? Because they don't want to go with their brother-in-law, who they're not sure about. He's kind of weird. They're not like, what's his deal? You know, he bleached his teeth, and that, you know, I don't like him. So I'm going to try this Sean Bernard out, because Sean gives money back uh, from every sale to the Warming House, uh, which is a nonprofit music venue in South Minneapolis, and he gives everybody who buys or sells a home with him a one-year membership for two, so they can listen to instrumental music or other kinds of music at the Warming House. And I am a research nerd, Maybe not as much as Mr. Fanball over here, but I am I'm absolutely a research nerd. And that's a, more than anything, people don't want buyer's remorse and they don't want seller's remorse, which happens with your home as well. And I try to take some of the emotion out of it with the research. And, you know, that's more or less it. It's like I, I just try to try to fill people with as much research as I can to say, this is the sweet spot where your house will sell and it's not going to stay in the market for 90 days. This is where I think the market will will bear this particular price. 
and, or these are the the upgrades I think you have to do if you want to get top dollar for this home. There are certain I, things you do. Your... Can I jump in for oh, just a moment? Oh, please do. Right, please do. Um, on this, I recent I happened to have sold my house in the last four months and uh, bought a house. And when we were trying to figure out realtors, the first thing that we decided was what Sean just said: we're not using a friend or a family member because I need to be tough. I you know I need I need to be able to be re, have really difficult conversations. I need to be able to have you know. It's the, one of the biggest know. investments of your entire <laughs> life. life. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, and I you know I I can't be worried about the feelings. You know, back and forth, and you know what if Thanksgiving's going to be weird or whatever, right? <laughs> I, you know, I, we've got to be able to have a grown up relationship, and so really encourage people to consider a third party for your real realtor needs. And Sean, I think you know. Let's put Sean on the list of the people we interviewed four. We interviewed four people and chose the one that we thought was best for us. And why not have Sean be one of your four? It's not show friends. It's show realty. Am I right? I think we got to go with show realty from now on for my new website. Name. Fine. Actually, that, that's not your website. Where do people get a hold of you, Sean? Uh, they can go to Edina Realty and look me up or they can they can just email me at Sean Barnard at Edina Realty dot com. I have to spell my name because it's stupid. How it's all spelled. S-E-A-N-B-A-R-N-A-R-D at EdinaRealty.com. Or they can call or text me at 612-859-2594 or 1-800-INSTRUMENTAL-FLOW. Wow. <laughs> Got weird there it. for a second, didn't I it? I love it. Um, and again, not that I don't trust you. I encourage everyone to <laughs> shop around about everything. But I will say that I genuinely vouch for Sean Bernard like 93%. Because he doesn't have very much instrumental music in his collection. That's for the best. And I'm not not sure that's okay. Paul Charchian (laughs) is a music head of the highest order. He's into a lot of other things. By no means does that define him. But it's one of my favorite things to talk to him about. And today, we're talking about instrumental music and the importance of lyrics. I I want to bring something up before we move on to your next song. So, David Bowie, he was struggling for years to the 60s. Got a minor hit with Space Oddity because it mm-hmm. kind of timed in with the whole Apollo, Apollo whatever, launch yeah, and Moon Landing. Yeah, the whole bit. But then still relapsed into relative obscurity through what I consider two of his very best records, The Man Who Sold the World and uh, Hunky Dory. Then he crossed over with Ziggy Stardust. But then he went through the middle of the 70s, and he went through a period where all he was doing was drinking milk and doing cocaine because he felt he should only put white things in his body. <laughs> That's not uh, healthy. No, by the way, no. not not a recommended by, by the way, diet. And if you, if you believe the rumors, that wasn't the only white thing he was putting in his body. Okay, Hey-o. very good. Thank you. Hey! <laughs> Yeah. So wow, he, he eventually, who, he eventually, who might re- argue with Mick Jagger on this point? <laughs> he eventually he tried it once, right? Real okay, just you know, you you build a bridge, no one calls you a bridge builder. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. thanks All for right. finally getting there, guys. Um, so eventually, he realized he was going to die. So he pulled up stakes, moved to Berlin, and put out his Berlin trilogy. Now, perhaps not the greatest period of his career, but a very interesting period. But here's what I find most fascinating about that era. Think of the song Heroes by David Bowie. Mm -hmm. Great song. An impossibly iconic song, right? It's hard to imagine that there wasn't a thought or an idea about what the emotion or spirit or story of that song was going to be before it was written. Every single song on all three of those records, the music was written weeks and in some cases months before a single lyric was that? written. Wow. Heroes. I mean, you go listen yeah. to it. That music was all committed to tape. Weird. 
months before he wrote any lyrics for it, which to me is fascinating. Like, so I am a lyrics guy. I, I'm not against musical. You, you no, know, I know me. You're not. I mean, I'm not against instrumental music at all. If it's good, I like it very much because I believe it can transport you. I believe it can inform you. I believe it can do that thing that music does for all of us. But to me, a great story or a great hook. Yeah, sure, music can be the hook, but there are great hooks, and there are incredible storytellers out there. There's also a ton of shit ones. Everyone knows that, right? But for me to think that Heroes, the music, all of it was laid down weeks, maybe months before there was a single lyric committed to it, it it boggles my mind. So I love lyrics, but I also like that you are willing to challenge the status quo on this because I, in our modern day and age, there aren't any major hits. Name one in the last 20 years that's been a strictly instrumental song, not on the I dance can, chart. I can't. I, I can't either. I can't. I can't. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not... I'm not downplaying lyrics, and again, half of my, you know, half of what I listen to has got it. I'm just saying, to me, for me anyway, most of it is not, like, profoundly impactful to my life. I just like singing along with it most of the time, the lyrics. So now, so we go from Cocteau Twins. Yep. And if we're going to just accept that the, the, the voice is another instrument, that brings us to our next song. The next song, really, the, the voice. Are you going to play Chuck Mangione? Feels <laughs> so good. Oh, God. Oh my god. So I I didn't mean to I didn't mean to interrupt your thought because I actually really do appreciate what you're trying to say. But all of a sudden Chuck Mangione with his like weird trilby hat and his long hair and his beard popped into my head and I couldn't stop myself. And I think that's what people think of. That's what they think of. And so when they think of instrumental music, that's what's going through their mind. So that's part of my goal for this whole thing for the people that have made it to the 54-minute mark of this podcast is there's so much of this great instrumental music that you don't know exists. You're absolutely right. Before you introduce the band you're going to introduce, and and before you finish your point, will you rattle off a few that maybe we're not going to hear tonight? Because I know that this is your kind of music. You like, you're willing to go see, like, like, did you and I go see Ratatat Live? We did, and that was a great show. More lasers than I've ever seen in the First Avenue main room in my entire life. (laughs) That's a lot. No joke. Yeah. I mean, like, two dudes in grubby jeans and T-shirts with yeah, long hair, baby. both on banks of synthesizers and more lasers than I've ever seen in that room. <laughs> Dude, there were lasers ahoy that night. It was, was so much lasers fun. Ahoy. It was It was laser crazy. But, I mean, like, bands like that. So I just I want to make sure that people get a chance to go somewhere and... and explore some of this. Like, you don't have to love it, but Paul's not wrong. Like, it's... it's oh, it, Yes, a lot of us I'm like not. stories, and we, well, not yeah. entirely. Right. Um, but, I mean, like, a, a lot of us like to have a story told to us, and I don't think that's unfair. I think that a lot of us have grown up with that, and whether it's storytelling, reading a book, whether it is hearing a great song story, it's good. Okay. But a story can be told without words, and I agree yeah, with you wholeheartedly. that's part of where I was going with yeah, this. Yeah. A, a story can be told without words. Right. And at the end of the day... The reason the words are important is because of how the song makes you feel. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is how that song made you feel. And if the words transport you to that, great. If the trumpet transports you to that, great. If it's the drums, whatever you can find that you love, great. And it doesn't have to be the lyrics. And if we're going to if we're going to go with the assumption that the lyrics and the voice is just another instrument, that brings us to our next song. We're going to agree philosophically. The voice is just another instrument. Why can't the vocals be a saxophone? And that brings us to The Comet is Coming. The song is called Summon the Fire. (laughs) 
Comet is coming. An unholy alliance of big beat electronica and acid jazz saxophone. When you and I talked first about what songs you wanted to play on the podcast, I I, I saw that and I'm like, cool. I trust Paul implicitly. And if he likes it, it's going to be good. I forgot that when I used to work on The Current, we mm-hmm. played that song for a couple of months. You did. That's where I first heard it. And... The big beat driving force, that sort of new wave synthesizer, heavy drum thing, as you and I have discussed, a little saxophone goes a long way. It does. I, I, there aren't many things I like sax in, but, but man, I is love that, cool. that song. And, yeah. And they're this weirdo, I think they're British, yeah? They are British. British trio yeah. who, and I remembered as soon as I started to hear it, I'm like, oh, I've played this song lots of times, and I'm like... These guys have weirdo names, and again, weirdo is not me trying to diminish I know, anyone. I know, I understand. Just like you know, like instead of being named like Ian or <laughs> Brett or David, they're named Danalog, Betamax, and King Shabaka. But that is—I remember playing because I like things that stand out in this day and age where every market is glutted. Whether we're talking yeah. about radio, we're talking about podcasts, we're talking about any form of media. Everything's glutted, and so very few things stand out from the pack. That stood out to me when we used to play that all the time, and what an excellent choice. Have you seen that band? I I saw them live, and they were were here in town uh, last summer. Um, I happened to see them the night before in Chicago, and I happened to be in Chicago, and they're playing in Chicago the night before they were in Minneapolis, and what a great live show that was. Oh, my God. Where did they play? Um, I can't remember the name of the place in Chicago. Here they played Turf Club. Was okay. the Metro um, in Chicago? No, it was no. smaller. Sm- um, smaller. Smaller than the Metro. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, cool. It, yeah, it was. Oh, it was. Well, we talked earlier in the show venue. about how seeing a band that knows how to electrify a room sometimes. You know, like that critical mask is is an important thing for a live show, but sometimes confining that level of energy it to does. a smaller space it does. is is both dangerous and. That's a whole uh, highly exciting. It is, you know. And sometimes we'll talk about this. You know, you go to an arena show with Taylor Swift, and it's you know, it just there's there's to me there's something that gets lost between me and the third tier and the yeah, third row. And, I got you know, it. that's a whole other that's yeah, a whole yeah. other section, whole other discussion. Sean, you made it. I thought an interesting point while we were listening. You said I never even hear this stuff. You know, this you know, I expand on that just a little bit. Well, I think this is just outside of the outside of what people even know where to find this sort of stuff. Well, it's the behaviors of listenership too, and that nowadays a lot of people, uh, okay, grandpa time, right? Uh, nowadays, people. I think that's okay. There are three middle-aged white guys in this room right now who, mm-hmm. if that's who we're talking to, even if people are younger or less painfully white, I, I wasn't going to go with Vero. But if they are, I mean, th- this is an important point you're about to make, not not just for old people, but for everybody. Keep your eyes open and your ears open. Well, in our lifetime, how much has it changed from, you know, my parents had an eight-track player in the house. Yeah. Albums, certainly. We had cassettes. We went to CDs, and I would still listen to the whole CD. And nowadays, the behavior in many ways is, for me, I'm, I'm a Spotify guy. Right. And so I look at what my friends are listening to, and if I respect their musical opinion, um, I will check out some so- I mean that. Like, I'll check out the, I know, I know, I know. I'll check out the songs that uh, I'm like, oh, I've not heard of that band, but they seem to be listening to this artist frequently. But like I said, I, I, I really love the music that you brought in. I mean, I'm going to listen to it again uh, because... You know, I just, like I said, I just wasn't introduced to it by anybody before, but now I'm going to give it a chance. But it, it doesn't have, you know, the current played it, this last song for a month. 
Yeah. You know, and it, you look maybe, at it. Maybe two months. And it wasn't frequent. It was never in heavy rotation. But we played it often enough that when it, and, and again, the morning show played the rarer stuff way less than everyone else. So I can't really say how often we played it. But I would only hear it once every couple of weeks. But I remember every time I heard it, I'm like, shit, this, if I was in my car right now, even though I was stuck in traffic, that's a badass tune. It's got the right new wave, mm-hmm. big beat vibe to it. And the saxophone over the top was not Chuck Mangione saxophone. No, it was wasn't. really, really good saxophone. I have an idea. Um, we Go should on. We should create. So on our website, we actually are... We've got a list of the playlists of yeah, all the, the different artists. Yeah, the playlist comes but up. But we need a yeah. charts list that we can put on our website of your songs. Would oh, you be don't willing tempt, to do? Don't tempt me. I'm no, totally nah. serious. Totally tempting. How I, cool I, would it be to do I, that, to so, introduce people to I some mean, of the here, songs? Here's the bit. is like is The reason I asked you earlier, like I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, and whenever anyone asks me, like, well, hey, what are you into these days? Immediately my mind goes blank, like, right? I, I listen to music all the time. <laughs> yeah. But it's like when you go into a record store, at least this used to happen to me in the 90s, like, there was like a memory eraser when you walked in. You're like, there are 12 records I want to buy. And you walk in, you're like, what's this place? Yeah. What, 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 <laughs> what sort of I thing is here? this? I don't, this? There's yeah. nothing I want. But I mean, when <laughs> I think of you, I think of Explosions in the Sky. Well, I, think of, I, I, think I would have loved to have played Explosions in the Sky. But, you know, like a lot of post-rock <sighs> bands, these are eight and nine minute epics that in, I, in, I, in on future episodes we will be able to indulge ourselves like right. that but i mean like godspeed godspeed you black, black emperor, emperor. Oh. oh my god I, I know i know and and there are bands i think that our venn diagrams cross over on that maybe you're not a hundred percent in on but these kind of bands these dynamic bands um god is an astronaut also yeah, another also fantastic great. band yes. like, yeah but i mean like i love i love a place to bury strangers now they mm. do have lyrics they do so they i know that that offends you um <laughs> again does not offend me but some lyrics do and some singers do see for me and i, I gotta believe there are gonna be other people like this a new song comes on that you that you're hearing for the first time and there's a hook and you're loving it and it's instruments only right most 90 percent right, right. of songs don't don't start with the voice oh no it starts with an instrument and you're like ooh, i'm digging this and then here comes the the singer and the lyrics and I'm like, oh, geez, they've ruined it. Well, now here's the bit. You know, they had this great thing going with the instruments, and then here comes singer guy, and he can't hold a tune, and I don't like his voice or whatever. Does that not ever happen to you guys? Am I the only person Absolutely. like no, this? No, no, no. It happens all the time. <clears throat> that being said, when you said the majority of people, <clears throat> I, you know how I feel about you. You know that we're <laughs> friends, right? Take whatever shot you want. And I'm not taking a shot. I'm just saying that it's not the majority of people. You represent a minority in this oh, case. tiny. Now, that being said, it, it, it doesn't mean you're wrong it, it, at oh, all. Well. And also, I, you know, you and I, we had a long conversation last night, and you paid me a really great compliment where you said something to the effect, I'm not going to be able to quote you exactly, that I find something to like about every genre of music. Now, does that mean I don't think there is a gigantic pile of horse shit out there? No. <laughs> almost everywhere you look. All of it's terrible. However, I am able to find a way through almost every one of those Byzantine mazes of garbage to find something. In, I feel like it's lazy. Like if, when someone says all country music is garbage, all rap music is garbage, or in this case we're talking about tonight, all this sort of prog rock, math rock, mm-hmm. instrumental, yeah, is garbage. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, no, what that means is you're being lazy. There are treasures 
every single direction you look. And that's why I think what we're talking about right now is so valuable because, again, there were songs I was going to play from the old rave era where mm. not one not one vocal lick anywhere. But, again, I don't have any ecstasy, and I'm way <laughs> too old and tired to dance. So that's <laughs> not going to happen. His name is Paul Charchian. Sean, thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, it's the Brian Oak Show. We'll be back again tomorrow. Wow, with... Hold on. Do we not have one more song? Yeah, I mean, do. I'm wrapping up with all the oh, final sponsors okay, and bits before right, I okay, give you your I'm final just, way in. I'm making sure. First time on the radio, Paul? Oh, oh. I, I could ask you the same thing. All of a sudden, we're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. <laughs> no, no, we are wrapping up because I want you to look right over here. I know. We're yeah, just, we're well over God, time. do we love so, hearing our own voices. I, I, that's Jeez. true. I have to thank a few people before I let you wax poetically about one of my favorite Scottish bands of all time so if i might finish that real quickly you can uh thank you very much uh sean thank you very much uh it is the brian oak show we'll be back in tomorrow we're going to be talking to a local woman who made this lovely thing right on my wall right there will you tell me what it says paul never give up first of all you understand this is a uh it's not latch hook it's uh crochet crochet no it's not crochet it's a needle point needle point thank you it's a it's a small needle point framed that says Never give up on your stupid, stupid dreams. I love having you in because you're a broadcaster. You know how this game (laughs) works, and I like it very much. And that sounded really good. And you sent that to me on a day where I was was at a particularly low point, so I'm very excited to have her in tomorrow. Uh, And also, this Thursday, we are going to be doing our first ever live event. Ben Lubeck of Fairwell Milwaukee fame and solo fame will be performing at the Hook and Ladder. Can everyone go? Oh, no. 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 You need to be a supporter on Patreon. Now, down the road, only VIPs will be invited. But this time, for the first ever event, everybody who stepped out in front is allowed to come. And all previous guests or current guests are invited. But you do have to RSVP and let us know that you're coming. Because I'm not going to stand at the front door and administer this shit all night, all right? I got some, <laughs> no. I got some, I got some drinks to do, and I want to see some music and talk to people. So get back in touch with us, patreon.com slash Show, all one word, and let us know you'd like to be on board. Have I forgotten anything? Yeah, I'm going to hit one more of your sponsors. Right. Um, Radon, Radon Gal. Radon Mitigation, that would be Thank Laurie. Um, when I, I mentioned earlier in the show, we were talking to Sean, I bought yeah. a new house four months ago. Yeah. And as part of the process, of course, you get the inspection, and part of the inspection yes. process is radon yes. checking. The house that I was buying had eight times the legal limit Ooh. of radon. Eight times. That's wow. a lot. <sighs> That's lung so, cancer. You know, they, you know, it's they have to put in radon mitigation systems. Yes. They had to, they had to pay for that, and this is part of what she she provides. But mm-hmm. the biggest picture is these people lived in it for a decade. They lived in a house with 10x the radiant, 8x, whatever it was. Sure. Uh, the, the radon. Way more than you're supposed to be having decade. in your lungs. Right, right, right. So, holy cow, you just, you don't know until you, you know, you find out. So, yeah. It's almost like you're saying that a $100 preview just to make sure it's not a problem yes. is worth the investment. Yes. I believe it was eight times, by the way. Well, okay, fine. Eight times. Unbe- unbelievable. Even if it was only two times. Oh, yeah, right. The too legal many, limit. Too many times. Yes. Shocking. Laurie, 612-701-2216. Can she just be RadonGal.com? Can we can we go with that now? That's what they, sh- they should Laurie, be. Really RadonGal.com. I like it. Laurie, that's hey, yours. Crazy. Royalty free. Laurie, if you're listening, and I know you will at some point, that's kind of sassy. I kind of like it. Sassy. You know, we had Billy Morris set in here one time, and he made us signature cocktails, and he remembered a band that neither Sean nor I had ever heard of called Radon. 
Who oh, had, yeah. Who had a song called Radon? Yeah. Wow. All right. It's why it's worth talking to lots of different people. Anyway, uh, thanks to all the sponsors. We'll have another show up before Thursday, Thursday night, our first ever live event, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're talking to Paul Charchi, and, and trust me, I was not going to let you not talk about this band, because when you and I spoke last night, I'm like, this is the band I'm going to open the show with. You're like, fuck you, Brian, you piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah, I was going to play this song. Exactly. Well, it wasn't Stream quite like that. profanity. What was great, though, is that both you and I love this band um it's weird how many incredible scottish bands there are like i mean mm-hmm. it's not it's not a huge country and so that it makes me think like one out of every four people in scotland is a brilliant oh, musician <laughs> it does feel that way sometimes kind doesn't of, it yeah I, back yeah. in the 90s and the early 2000s half the bands i liked came from scotland driving and, with the brakes on yeah, exactly right. Oh, so, I mean, I was going to start yeah. running off the list, yeah. but that's well, not Cocteau the point. Well, Twins, we already played Cocteau Twins. Oh, crazy. Yeah, so. But now this band, so has this band, does this band have any songs with lyrics? Yes. Okay. They're but, good for about one, an album. But very, very few. Mm-hmm. And I, after hearing the very first song I ever heard from them, which was called Summer, I started buying their stuff on vinyl. And I don't buy all of it, and they're, I'm not in the mood for it every day. But when we go back to the old, you know, you played Cocteau Twins, 4 AD, it makes me think of early Pixies. And Pixies were the masters of Loud, Quiet, Loud, Mm. and that informed Nirvana. But also there were a lot of other bands from the era. This band does Loud, Quiet, Loud. That song I mentioned, Summer, almost as good as any band I've ever heard. I love this band. Yeah, it's the, well, let's, can we do the big reveal on the band? Please. So the band's called Mogwai. Uh, they're named after um, uh, what was the what was the movie with the Mogwai in it? Gremlins. The Gremlins. Thank you. Also, yeah. by the way, when everyone keeps arguing about whether or not fucking Die Hard is a Christmas movie, who cares? It's not a very good movie. Oh, Gremlins. That's, that's a whole other episode. It you, sure you is. You are so wrong. Uh, no, Gremlins. <laughs> better Christmas movie than Die oh, Hard. Stop. The end. <laughs> Mog- now this now Mogwai does do a lot in. It's very endemic of the entire post-rock genre, of which they are Mount Rushmore post-rock band. They are. The one thing I want to say about post-rock is that math rock is part of that. And much like when I say about Rush, just because you can play every note doesn't mean you should. Math rock, like changing time signatures every eight measures... Is agonizing. <laughs> it is fucking unlistenable. Whereas a band like this, they know how to, not unlike John Lee Hooker or other people who are groove riders, much shoegaze included, I'm not mad at post rock. Math rock drives me insane. It's it's a whole, I think it's a different, it's a related genre. It's but, a lateral move. They are adjacent. Yeah, they are adjacent now, for sure. Math- but post rock, like, so when you get to the right band, as long as there's a groove, as long as there's a hook, mm-hmm. I'm in. Melody. But yeah. all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm starting to feel it. Oh, oh, now we're doing 11-7 time. Shut up. <laughs> Just play the fucking song. <laughs> Makes me mad. Um, post-rock as a genre is defined mostly by heavy guitar, no vocals, and the change in tempo. Slow, soft build, and then building up, getting faster, stronger, louder, grittier. And this song, in part because we don't, I didn't want to play a nine minute long song. Well, um, no, you did, sh- but I told you I, you couldn't. This song is about four minutes long, and it's just straight raw power, and I love it. And it, give me a better name to a song than Glasgow Mega Snake. <laughs> 